let us pray, and then we'll um, get into um, what we're doing today. So, um, Father, I just thank you for your word and, and for your church, Lord, to be able to gather together with these guys. Um, I pray, Lord, that as we look through your word, that you would speak to us and guide us. Um, yeah, as we go through some things, uh, some quite heavy things as well, may you open our hearts to receive, uh, but also give us the hope um, which is found in you. And so, yeah, may you bless this time and guide us through this. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So, if you don't have a Bible, um, raise your hand and one of us will get one to you. But I think we're all, we're all good today. So, anyway, if you do need a Bible, raise your hand, we'll get one to you. And um, they are found right at the back. They're pretty cool. But, um, anyway, uh, as um, what we've been doing on, well, what we ended up, finished on last year, although we're still going through it, was the book of Judges. So, PT will um, continue that when he gets back. Uh, in a couple of weeks' time, um, but for now we'll be um, taking a slight detour, looking um, um, at a couple of things from the New Testament. So the text we'll be reading today is found in First uh, John uh, and chapter one. So John's first letter um, in chapter one. Um, but first of all, I want to kind of um, just read um, a brief quote because today we're going to be looking. Um, Uh, at the subject of darkness and the subject of light. And John talks a lot about darkness and light. Um, But anyway, here's a quote from a book called Rid of My Disgrace, and it says this, Between his two claims to be the light of the world, Jesus heals a blind man. The miracle of giving sight to the man born blind demonstrates the purpose of Jesus' ministry. It illustrates Jesus' power to bring his light to those in darkness. Where darkness, death and decay had reigned, Jesus breaks in with light, liberation and love. What we're going to be looking today uh, is um, at this book is this idea of darkness and light. And we'll see the idea of darkness and light throughout the whole of the Bible. And ultimately we, we see this, that Jesus is light and he steps in to darkness and he steps in and he gives us light Um, but we also see um, as we'll kind of look at today we'll be looking at what it means to walk in the light but also what it means to walk in darkness and I was kind of watching um, a uh, TV series the other day so there is a popular British car show called Top Gear um, which has recently had its change of presenters for a number of different reasons but um, recently on the BBC, there's been a look back at the presenters, um, well, the most recent presenters' careers in, you know, on the Top Gear shows and looking at kind of the most favoured moments and highlights of the past few years of Top Gear. And one of them is uh, when the team, Jeremy, May and, uh, well, Clark Hammond, sorry, Hammond, Clarkson and May, that's it, got it right. They, um, they undergo, they basically uh, enter into a 24-hour race, um, driving race around this track. So for 24 hours, different teams enter in. It's like an annual event. And basically, the aim is to race around the track for 24 hours. And, and, but competitively, they're not just driving around you know, kind of casually. They're, they're properly bombing it down, racing it. Um, and basically, you, you essentially, every so often, you switch drivers and go for a pit change and things like that. But essentially, you're continually going for 24 hours. Um, and at first, it's kind of fun because it's, it's, you know, it's all fine. It's daylight and you've got full of energy. But by the time it gets to nighttime and you've been up already for most of the day and you're knackered, 
and you're having to concentrate trying to drive in the dark at pace whilst not trying to kill anybody. Uh, <laughs> and they find that they were in this, in this very dangerous situation. And one of the um, kind of commentators looking back at this event said something really interesting. He said, you know, and they're kind of all commenting how dangerous this is and, and, and how challenging it is to kind of drive with that kind of intensity when, you've, when you're knackered, when you've got no strength left. And it's interesting what he said. He said something along the lines of, we were not made to function in the dark. We were made for the light. We were made to function in the day. When it kind of goes dark, it's kind of time to sleep. <laughs> we were kind of made for the light, to function and flourish in the light. And today we're going to be kind of looking at this idea of, of darkness and light and how Jesus, who is light, enters into darkness and calls us out of it. Um, so if we read together from... 1 John, so 1 John 1 and verse 1 to 10. So the first letter of John, and that's chapter 1 and verse 1 to 10. This is going to be our main focal text, but we will um, go into some other different places as well. So keep your finger in it, and we're going to be moving around quite a bit in the New Testament. But this is what John says in 1 John 1 to 10. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness... We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Here we see John in his first letter, and this is the disciple John. And kind of as we'll be looking at today, we'll be looking at this idea of walking in darkness and walking in the light. And the question is, where are we at? Where are we? Are we, are we walking in darkness? Or are we walking in the light? And here John, he first of all starts his letter with his focal point, which is Jesus. His letter begins with, and the focus is, it's all about Jesus. As we read through these first few things, this is John the disciple, one of the twelve disciples. This is a guy who lived and walked with Jesus in his, when Jesus was physically on the earth lived and walked with him during that ministry. He got to see every aspect of Jesus. 
He is known as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He is the writer of not just First John, First, Second, and Third John, those three letters, but also the Gospel of John and also the last book in the Bible, Revelation. And these first few verses, John is stressing that the focus of it all is Jesus, that it is all about Jesus. From these first few verses, we see that Jesus was from the beginning. We see that Jesus was seen, heard, and touched by people. He was physically there. He was real. We see that he is the word of life. We see that he was revealed. He was manifested. He was shown. He was displayed. We read that he is eternal life. And we read that he was with the Father. John wants to make clear that this Jesus is real and that it all about Jesus. That Jesus is the focus point and he's bringing all of his attention to Jesus. And then not only does he do that, we then also see a couple of reasons for why Paul is writing this letter. And throughout this whole letter, there'll be a number of different reasons which he highlights. He says, look, I'm writing this to you so that I'm writing to you for this reason. And these are, there are simply two reasons we read in this first couple of verses, but there are more throughout the book. But the two reasons that he gives are this. As we read, he says, that which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. We see here that John is writing this letter. One of two of the reasons he is writing this letter is this, that we would have fellowship with both him, but more importantly with God. And also so that we, that our joy may be full. He's like, I'm writing these things so that you would experience the fullness of fellowship with the Father and with his people, but that also you would experience the fullness of joy. So keep those two things in mind. He is desiring us to have fullness of fellowship and fullness of joy. And then he goes on in verse 5. And this is where our, kind of our focal point would be. This is where he begins to kind of talk about light and darkness. This is the measure which we have heard, sorry, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you. This is important that this isn't John's message. He's not just making it up. He's saying, look, this message that I'm about to say to you now has come from God himself. This is from Jesus. This is his authority, not my own for which I'm speaking through. This message is just one which has been passed to me and I'm passing it on to you. And then he says this, I declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Here he says he focuses on God's character. That in God, God is light. (laughs) And in God there is not even a hint of darkness There is no darkness in him whatsoever, not even a tiny bit. Darkness is not part of his character at all. It has nothing to do with who God is. God is simply light. But then he continues on. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Here he says, look, 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 
If you claim to have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, you're lying. He says, if you are walking in darkness, you are failing to have fellowship with God. As we kind of read through this, but we see that he is addressing this to Christians. He's talking to Christians and to beloved Christians of his. And he says in a number of times, my little children. And kind of like you get this, this idea that this is kind of his spiritual family. He really cares for these people. And he says this, he's like, look, if you are walking in darkness, you cannot have fellowship with him. As we'll kind of read on in the, kind of the few other places we're going to be jumping around to, we know that before we knew Christ, we were walking in darkness and had no relationship with him at all. We had no fellowship with God. We couldn't because we were in darkness. Jesus steps in as we'll kind of look at over these next few, uh, well, minutes, I suppose, <laughs> maybe more than a few. Um, and we'll look at how Jesus steps in to set us free from darkness and to bring us into light. But there will be moments as Christians where we will struggle. There will be moments where we'll be tempted, even as Christians, to stray back to the darkness. And as we do so, it always, always affects our relationship with God first and foremost. As Christians, when we begin to walk back into that place of darkness, our fellowship with the Father will always be greatly affected first and foremost because... As John says, you cannot walk in darkness and have fellowship with him. And walking in darkness, there's that idea once again of walking, which we talked about on Sunday, this idea of something which kind of is continual and habitual. It is repetitive, it is walking bit by bit. And he says that if you are walking in darkness, you you cannot have fellowship with God. But then he also continues because he then shows us what it means and what happens and what is the result of walking in light. So if we walk in darkness, we do not have fellowship with him. But then he says this, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. He compares, he says that versing, it's as if he's saying walking in the light versus walking in darkness. He says that if you walk in the light, there is a result. If we walk in the light, we have fellowship not only with the Father, with God himself, we also have fellowship with his people, but we also find cleansing and healing from the sins that we commit. We see here that when we walk in the light, We receive fellowship, the fullness and true fellowship in all its fullness and we experience true healing and cleansing from the sins we commit. Which means this, that this is what is at stake when we talk about walking in the light. Our fellowship and our our healing from the sins we commit, our cleansing, our purifying, those are the two things at stake here. So we need to know what does it mean to walk in the light. Because if we do so, (laughs) we receive these great promises. But if we fail to do so, we end up walking in darkness. And we're missing out. He shows us that these things are so integral and are at stake in this. And that's what we're going to be spending on these next moments looking at. 
and a few other different places. And it's amazing how John, and we'll be looking at his gospel in a couple of places in his letter, it's amazing how John refers to this so often, this idea of light and darkness. Um, so yeah, let us begin to lift a lid off of this subject and look at what does it mean to walk in light and what does it mean to walk in darkness. The first reference we're going to be turning to is found in John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Uh, and this is, once again, this is the Gospel of John, so written by the same author of the letter we've just reading. And in the Gospel of John, in chapter 12 and verse 32, it says this, so this is John 12:42. As we begin to look at what does it mean to walk in the light? So John 12:42 he says this Never, nevertheless even among the rulers many believed in him that is referring to Jesus but because of the Pharisees they did not confess him lest they should be put out of the synagogue for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God then Jesus cried out and said he who believes in me believes not in me but in him who sent me. And he who sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. The first thing that we see about what it means to walk in the light, first and foremost, we must believe in the light. To walk in the light, we have to believe in the light. Here he says it here. It's like, look, believe in me. First of all, he says that Jesus is the light and Jesus has entered the world. And he says, look, if you believe in me, whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. First and foremost, we walk in the light by believing in Jesus and having faith in Jesus Christ as a Lord and Saviour. And it's very interesting, as we go throughout all this, he will compare walking in the light versus walking in darkness. He puts a definite article in front of the light. It's not walking in light, it's not walking in a light, but it is walking in the light. He says, look, walking in the light first and foremost begins with you believing and putting your faith in Jesus Christ. And we also see not only that, and we also see a bit for we also see from this his desire. He desires for us to walk in the light. That's why he came. We were in darkness, but Jesus steps in because he wants us. He desires us to walk in that light. So first and foremost, faith in Jesus Christ is 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 key to us walking in the light. So as we look around, as we see those who do not know yet, do not know Jesus yet, as we'll kind of read through as these other bits will show, that until there is that accepting of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross and repenting of our sin and turning to him, they will continue to walk in darkness. And it's not about how good or how bad, but it is about do we put believe in Jesus? Whether it's somebody who grew up uh, with wrestling with addiction and, and things which we can obviously are very visually dark things. Or it's the kid who has grown up in church all his life. 
but has never given his life to Jesus. Both are walking in darkness until they put their faith in Jesus Christ. Here we say faith is integral to walking in him, but we see other things as well, because it doesn't just stop there, but it goes even further. If we flip back, flip back to 1 John and chapter 2, and verse 7. So this time in the letter of 1 John, we're going to go a bit further than what we've been reading, as kind of John goes even further about what it means to walk in darkness and what it means to walk in the light. And he says this in verse, we'll go from verse 6 actually, of chapter 2, verse 6, and this is 1 John. So we're going to be jumping around quite a bit, but hopefully you can follow. So this is 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6, and he says this, He who says he abides in him ought or him uh, he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked and in verse 7 brethren i write no new commandment to you but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning the old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning again a new commandment i write to you which thing is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Here we see that the light is passing away. We see that we have hope. Our hope is not something which is distant, but something which is current. Jesus has already entered the world and died for the sins of the world. Even now in our own lives and in the lives of others, we can begin to experience darkness passing away and the light of Jesus shining into our lives. We see this. And what does this look like? This looks like people repenting of sin, turning away from darkness and turning to Jesus. But then he continues on to show specifically how this looks. In verse 9 says, He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Here we see that to walk in the light... (laughs) He who loves his brother walks in the light. To walk in the light means to love your brother. And as we kind of see this, and kind of we'll see how John kind of uses this language of kind of brethren and brothers, and this idea of he's addressing the church. And I think we could, you know, clearly, I think we would all agree that, you know, to, to live in Jesus is to love others, not just. And here, I don't think he's, necessarily, he's specifically referring to biological brothers, because there'll be some of us, oh, does it mean I can hate my mum? Yeah, man, I can hate my mum. That's not what he's saying at all. And I think, if anything, he's specifically saying about, when he's talking about brothers, I think he's actually talking about fellow believers. He's speaking to Christians and saying, look, if you, are, if you have hatred towards another Christian, you're not walking in the light, but walking in darkness. And he says that the sign or like a display that you are walking in the light is that you will have increasing love for other Christians, for fellow brothers and sisters. And, and this is genuine, real love, not kind of a fake love where we just simply do things to please other people, to kind of make them happy, but true love where we make even tough decisions, not because it makes the person happy, 
but it's because it is what is best for that person. When we lay down our lives, that's kind of, he says in the next chapter in 1 John 3.16, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. True love for our brothers and sisters in Christ looks like us sacrificially laying down our lives for one another just as Jesus laid down his life for us. And we also see another result of this. So we see walking light. First, we need to, there needs to be that faith. But also we'll see that walking in the light means loving other brothers and sisters in Christ. And there is also a result of walking in the light. But it says this, there is no cause for stumbling in him. When we are really walking in the light, the, the, when we're walking in the light, it stops us from stumbling. Just as kind of as we looked at on Sunday, in, um, when we looked at in Galatians, when we... When we abide in him, when, when we are walking in the spirit, we will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. It's that idea, again, if you're walking in him and in the light, he will cause you from stumbling. He will cause you from falling. When your eyes are fixed on him, when we are walking in the light, it will keep us from stumbling. But on the flip side, when we walk in darkness, the results are devastating. As he kind of says here, but he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness. If I have hatred towards another Christian, it means I am walking in darkness. Which means I must come to myself and be like, Lord, am I hating someone? And Do I have hatred towards another brother in Christ? And if so, forgive me of that because that will cause me to walk in darkness. But there's another thing to that as well. He continues on, there is a result of walking in darkness. The person who walks in darkness does not know where he is going, verse 11. And his eyes have been blinded. (laughs) When we walk in darkness, we do not know where we are going and we are blind. Blind to our own condition and blind to our sin. But we have hope. Because Jesus is in the habit of opening the eyes of the blind. And we know that if that is a position where we're in today, <laughs> where we're like, Lord, you're right, I am walking in darkness. If it's a fact that he's re- using his word to shine a light on us, then we humbly turn to him and say, Lord, forgive me of my sin and allow me to come back into the light. And now we're going to our third reference. So we're going to be jumping around a bit. So keeping you guys busy, keeping your fingers busy, which is good. In John chapter 3, verse 16. So once again, back to the Gospel of John. So we're going to jump to and fro a little bit. In the Gospel of John, in chapter 3, 16, which is literally just uh, kind, of is, is kind of where we find what is, well, what must be the most quoted verse in, in the whole of the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And here we see that as he continues, Jesus begins to talk about light and darkness again. And he says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, But he who does not believe is condemned already 
because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. Ever since sin entered the world, we've been hiding. And we see this on the very first account in Genesis where we see Adam and Eve, they sin and their natural response is to hide. They run, they hide from God. But as we read here, walking in the light means not hiding. It means allowing our lives and actions to be clearly seen. Those who walk in darkness will hide their evil deeds, but those who walk in the light will do truth and will and we'll walk in openness. If you're trying to hide something that you've, that you've done or are currently doing, chances are it's wrong and you know it. <laughs> and that's why you're hiding it. But here he says that to walk in the light is to do truth, to do what is right, to do things according to God and his word, and to walk in an openness where we're not in hiding, we're not in fear, we're not in shame, but we are in openness. Walking in the light means us not hiding even when we as Christians fall and sin. Here we see that we are called to come into the light not just when we are doing good things but walking in the light means that we remain and, and come into the light when we are doing bad things. Walking in the light means us exposing our sin. As in kind of in Ephesians chapter 5, it says this, and I'll briefly read this in Ephesians 5. He says this, and go from verse 8, and once again, walking in the light, and this time it's Paul who's talking. In Ephesians 5, 8, he says this, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You see, we were all in darkness We were all enslaved to sin. We were all deserving of judgment. But Jesus came, lives a perfect life, dies on a cross for our sin and our punishment so that when we put our faith and trust in him and his resurrection and his forgiveness and we accept that gift, he brings us out into light. And we see here, we were all once in darkness. So it means when we begin to minister to people, to, to people who are not Christians, it means we, rem- we remind ourselves that we were just in that same position as well. Where there's no difference to us. We were all once in darkness. We were all in darkness and all in need of saving. And in verse 9 it says, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes makes manifest 
is light. Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. To walk in the light is to expose our sin. To walk in the light is to expose the unfruitful works of darkness. That's another thing to think of. When walking in darkness, our works are unfruitful. And to walk in the light means that not only do we not have anything to do with unfruit, we don't have, as Hebrew uses the term, we do not have fellowship with unfruitful works. But he also says, expose them. And now this is kind of like a big subject when we look at exposing, the idea of exposing sin. It is a huge subject which we can only kind of briefly cover. And, and for the purpose of this time that we have, I want us to focus on exposing our own sin. Because it first and foremost begins there, in our own heart and exposing the own sin and actions of our own hearts. But there will be times when Jesus calls us to expose um, not just the, the sins of ourselves, but sometimes to expose the sin of others. And, and in some ways to expose the sinful deeds of the, com- the society we live in at large. So how do we do that? We see in the culture around us that means that as Christians, we make a humble stand on what is right. We simply uh, humbly preach what the Bible says and call sin for what sin is. Not for what the world thinks it is, but for what Jesus says it is, sin. When we see as we look at the world, the world as a whole, we say, no, the things which the world condones is not right. We do expose that and we say, no, that is wrong. What Jesus says is true. What Jesus says is right. And that's looking at the world as a whole. Um, but then as we kind of look at uh, what do we do when we see those, uh, those who are not Christians sinning and those who are Christians in sin? And it's a huge subject which the Bible kind of talks about a lot. But for, I will give us one little brief kind of chapter, well, a few verses which Jesus kind of addresses this in. And it's a good, it's a good template, it's a good tool. But it's not limited because there are other references to this as well. That as Christians, first of all, we need to expose our own sin. But there will be moments when we are called to expose the sins of our brothers and sisters. And this is how Jesus says it. And Jesus says it in Matthew 18 and verse 15. And he says this in kind of specifically dealing... Um, yeah, well, let's read it. In Matthew 18:15, he says this. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Here Jesus is looking at using extreme, kind of strong language but for how we are to deal with when we see a brother sinning. We are called to, as he kind of says, to one-on-one meet with that person with the purpose of exposing their sin to them. First of all, you know, we are, when we walk in the light, we are constantly exposing our own sin and confessing that, which we'll look at in a second what it means to confess. But there will be moments when we see a brother beginning to walk in darkness and we will expose that darkness. But first and foremost, we're called to go to them. We, are, <laughs> we go to them and we say, look, I see where you're falling. This, I see this, 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 
this. This isn't good. This isn't, this isn't of Christ. I'm worried for you. We seek to expose their sin to them because when you walk in darkness, you are often blind. <laughs> and it is seeking to shine a light on that, to bring that into the light in the hopes that they would realize their sin and that they would expose it themselves, that they would confess it themselves to who they need to and make it right with Christ so that they are walking in light again. But we see here that when that fails, we then bring a couple more people into the picture. And once again, the purpose is to that we would essentially exposing their sin to themselves so that they would see their sin for what it is and deal with it. And then if that continues and that still doesn't work, then we go even further and we bring other people and we bring, it involves the whole church community at that point. And then if that's even further, his response is that we treat them as a heathen or a tax collector. And what's the idea that Jesus is getting at? At which point, if after all those steps, the person is still unrepentant and is still walking in darkness, then we simply preach them the gospel. We treat them as if they were not saved. Although we know their salvation is secure, our job is to remind them again and again of the gospel. And that gives us insight to how we respond to non-Christians who are walking in darkness. Because the danger is that when we speak to a non-Christian, we want them to just change who they are. Change what they're doing, yeah? You shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. Oh, why are you going out drinking all night? Why are you doing this job? Or how dare you treat that person that way? Or why are you having sex in this way? Or why are you doing this in this way? Instead of trying to just change their behaviour, we're called to preach them the gospel. It doesn't mean that we don't, you know, if a non-Christian comes to us and says, what do you think about this? Man, you have licence to humbly speak the truth in love. But when we are in, when, we, when it comes to exposing sin of a non-believer, our job is to preach the gospel and let the Holy Spirit convict them First of all, their deepest need, which is Jesus. And once they receive him, he'll begin to do the work. He'll, be deal with, he'll begin to do the cleansing. But as I say, our focus is not simply on uh, exposing the sin of others. I want our focus to be more on exposing the sin of ourselves. And we see this. What is the tool of exposing our sin or bringing our sin into the light? It is confession. And, and, he kind of, and, he, and he says it right here in the very verses that we're reading. Confession and exposing our sin to one another is key to what it means to walk in the light, to walk in the open. He says this in verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins... Here we see that there's a promise. If we do this, there is a result. <laughs> and the first question which comes to mind is this. Why do we need to confess? Okay, we're Christians. God has forgiven us of our sin, past, present, future. We are covered by his grace. So why do we need to confess it first and foremost to him, but also to others around us if we've completely been forgiven? And the reason for it is not for Jesus' benefit, but for our benefit. We need to confess for us. Confession is a gift for us. So that we would have fellowship with one another, so that we would have true fellowship with him, the Father, and so that we would experience real healing and real cleansing. As he says here, look, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins 
and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to purify us, to heal us from the sins that we commit. When we fail to confess, we fail to experience that true purifying, healing and that cleansing from the sins we have committed. He says that I want you to confess so that you will be clean. I want you to walk in the open. And how does this kind of look realistically? You know, how does this look on a practical level in our lives? For me, over the last few years, I've been really blessed by having specific key, uh, key relationships, key men who I would turn to, who I can come to and confess. And, 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 and even to the point where we would uh, set up a regular time to meet and confess. There are practical ways in which we can begin to, to, kind of, to, to essentially do confession with each other, to do what some would call accountability with each other, where we are confessing our sins to one another. Where were we at? We're experiencing healing and we're challenging each other. We're spurring each other on. And the question is, you know, do we have those people in our lives? Godly people who we can turn to, who we can confess our sin to, who we can do life with, who we can, because as we begin to, to expose ourselves, to confess ourselves, we begin to have fellowship. And we must be always careful. We must be careful in who we, who we do this with, who we kind of confess to. You know, it's kind of, um, I've got a few practical kind of guides on this. One is um, a really cool book I read recently, got it here, called Open, by a guy called Craig Gross, who is um, essentially the founder of Triple uh, X Church, which do like accountability software and other things. And it's a real practical book. Um, it, it, it talks about really specific ideas of how to do accountability, how it could potentially work in a very practical way. It's like, okay, how can I then begin to walk this out? Begin to have key people where I'm like, I can confess and find healing and so they can keep me accountable, so that they can come to me and expose my own sin to me when I can't see it. Praise God for people who have the courage enough and love us enough to say, hey, the way you're walking, I'm worried turn back and come back home. And uh, come to some of the quotes which kind of come through that book which are you know, really kind of encouraging is uh, when it kind of looks at this, it's like it says in, in one quote, I'm talking about letting in someone who has a vested interest in seeing you live the full, honest life you want to live. I'm talking about incorporating an accountability partner into your world to help keep you pointed in the right direction. And it's an amazing thing that can happen to you when you stop relying on yourself and start allowing others into your life to back you up, to pick you up, to dust you off, to help you keep going when all seems lost. May we as Christians seek these people, godly people, <laughs> people who love Jesus, because there are plenty of people who claim love Jesus and who will happily condone our sinful life. But we want people who love Jesus and love us enough to stand on his word and to stand on what is true. And for us as single guys, let's seek out godly single guys. As single gals, let's seek out godly single gals. And as married couples, confess to each other. Um, but then also seek even other married couples or other guys or girls, you know, depending on if you're a guy or a girl, <laughs> who you can begin to walk with and confess 
with and do life with. And if those people aren't in our lives, then let's pray that God puts them in our life and seek to how we can be able, how we can be that person to somebody else. And then maybe in turn they can be that person to us. And there's just one kind of last reference I want to kind of look at in closing at what it means to walk in the light as opposed to walking in darkness. And it's something which I've almost missed as I've kind of read this kind of passage before and this account before. It's something which I've kind of almost missed every time. If you want to turn with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And going from verse, well, we're going from John chapter 8 and we'll go from verse 2. So John, this is John's John's gospel chapter 8, verse 2. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery And when they had sat her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses, in the law, commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Walking in the light means following Jesus. And here we see, and I never kind of really linked this story with the idea of darkness and light, but here we find a woman. And she is caught in the act of adultery. She is, she is found out. And she is brought out into the open. Her and her sin is exposed. And we, she is guilty. And we can all see this. She, is, she was caught in the very act. She was caught in adultery. She, she was walking in darkness. And she was brought out into the light. Her sin was exposed. It was brought forward. Uh, and, it's, uh, and, and we see here that Jesus uses it as an opportunity to speak light, to be light to her. We see as we read this that the kind of the motives for these men exposing her and her sin, we can see that their motives were not completely pure. It was not for the good of the woman or for desiring her 
um, to to be in a to be healed in to be brought into a right place. We see that they they were using it just to try and test Jesus. But we see how Jesus uses it at an opportunity. There will be moments where people will expose. Uh, well, well, I was just say our, our sin will be exposed, whether that be by people or from from other events. Whether we expose it ourselves or other people do, there will be moments where it is exposed, where it is brought into the light. But that is the grace of Jesus Christ because without this lady coming into the light, she would have never had that opportunity to hear those words. Neither do I condemn you and go sin no more. She would have never experienced that forgiveness which she so, so desperately needed and they offer of new life which she desperately wanted. The motives behind the people exposing her may have been wrong, but Jesus used it. It was ultimately Jesus choosing to expose her sin. And once he brought it into the light, he could deal with it. He could offer her the healing and the forgiveness that she so deserved. And say those words... (laughs) You see, often we are kind of hiding from sin because we, we are hiding in the darkness because we are worried what will happen if we expose. But when our sin is exposed, this is how Jesus responds. He offers us forgiveness and grace and healing, but also calls us out of that darkness. And I love how Jesus uses this opportunity. He, doesn't, you know, he not only addresses the hearts and minds of those bringing her into the light, but he doesn't just leave her. He doesn't just kind of go, well, their motives weren't exactly right. You you can just go back and do what you want to do. Keep going back, you know, it's cool. He was like, no, 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 I'm using this as an opportunity. I brought you into the light because I ultimately want to save you. Not just the people who brought you here, but I want you. We see when Jesus brings our sin and exposes our sin, he offers us those words Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And how can he offer us those words? Because, I mean, she was guilty. She was guilty and deserving of judgment. The reason why Jesus could say that was because later on in that same book, he would go on the cross and he would bear her condemnation. The condemnation that she deserved and that we deserved was put on him He took it on the cross and then rose again so that he could then say to us those same words, I no longer condemn you, but go sin no more. Not only have I forgiven you, but now leave that life of darkness. So here we see a beautiful way, we see this beautiful story of when this lady is brought into the light But when her sin is brought into the light, Jesus is there and can truly get to work in the healing that has to take place in her heart. So as we kind of bring this to a close, we see that walking in darkness (laughs) means that we don't know where we're going. We are blinded. We see that how when we have hate for other Christians, we are walking in darkness. And when we walk in darkness, we fail to have fellowship with God, fellowship with others, and we fail to have that true healing we need. But when we walk in the light, what does this mean? Walking in the light is a life that believes and trusts wholeheartedly 
in Jesus, who is the light. It means as loving other Christians. It means that we don't hide not our good deeds and not our sins, but we do truth, we practice truth, we expose our sin, we confess our sin, and we follow Jesus. True fellowship, healing, and joy is, at, is what is at stake. So will you join me in seeking Jesus and seeking to walk in the light as he is in the light? Because when we do, when we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this beautiful text that you've given us. I thank you, Lord, that you died for us on the cross and that if we put our faith and trust in you, though we were once in darkness, once we put our faith in you, you bring us out into the light. You expose us. But then you also call us to stay in that light. Lord, as we've kind of looked at what it means to walk in the light, I pray, Lord, that you would help us by your Holy Spirit to put these things into practice, to do them. If we're in that place where we've been walking in darkness, may you forgive us, Lord, and bring us back into the light. When we're in that place of fellowship with you and fellowship with your people, in that place where we are regularly confessing our sin and coming before you, in humble repentance and receiving that healing and cleansing as we continue step by step, day by day, to walk in that light. Father, I pray that you would first and foremost help us to walk in the light and then help us as we seek to encourage others to walk in that light as well. Lord, guide us and speak to us. Father, I thank you that there are moments where you expose us because you love us. You tear the roof of our house off, revealing all so that we can truly bring it to you and find the healing and forgiveness that we so desperately need. Heavenly Father, by your Holy Spirit, we've seen the effects of walking in darkness. We've seen the effects of walking in light. By your Holy Spirit, empower us to walk in the light empower us to walk in you empower us to follow you that we can live a life where we fully have placed our trust and belief in you that we love other brothers and sisters that we're not willing to hide but we come into the light we practice the truth exposing and confessing our sin and putting our faith and trust in you and your finished work on the cross. Holy Spirit, enable us to follow you as you call us to follow. That we would walk in the light as you are in the light. In your name, Jesus. Amen.